guys, welcome back to Epistemology with Robert. Uh, I've been fairly busy recently. I got to be on two different podcasts um, uh, recently. The first one I already posted to my own podcast, which was the Real Seeker Ministries, um, uh, discussing and debating miracles. But just this past week, I actually got to be on two different episodes of another podcast called Skeptics and Seekers. Um, and the first episode, we're discussing Pascal's Wager. The second one is about my epistemology, actually. So very relevant to what I'm talking about here. Um, I'll post links to those episodes. Uh, I think they're very fun, um, fruitful conversations. Um, and I'd love to hear feedback, of course, as well. So today we're talking about what I like to call knowledge bracketing. Um, I don't fully know where I got this idea um, I'm sure it was at least inf influenced by various books and stuff I was reading over the years about um, these sort of things. But basically, I, I discovered this way of looking at things that became, this became the most important tool for deconstructing my own faith. Um, and not just my own faith, but also uh, any cherished belief. Um, deconstructing my own identity, how I saw myself. Uh, by the time you get to your late teens, college age, around then, you've really accumulated a pretty strong, cherished identity, probably. Um, and well, and also both good and bad. I'm not saying every bit of that identity is positive, but they're very close to your heart are these ways you see yourself. And it's basically impossible to question something like that all at once. And same with a religious, uh, a, a religious viewpoint. Uh, it's very hard to question all at once uh, for both a practical reason that there's so much under that umbrella to question, to look at, and also for a psychological, emotional reason that it's very almost impossible to. Um, to question that all at once and not drive yourself nuts. Uh, and I know from experience because I definitely had moments, plenty of moments where I was, I was sort of trying to question it all at once. And uh, it's hard to live a normal day when uh, that's happening. So don't I don't recommend it. Um, anyway, so th this is the scalpel I discovered to help me do that. Um, and the basic idea is to separate individual topics, areas of concern, um, and one at a time, bracket out a single area and as ruthlessly, objectively as you can, analyze it. And it's small enough, you need to make it small enough that you can do that. Um, and then you put it back into the hole. And eventually you do that with each piece and just to to bring this uh, to marry this, what I've said in past episodes, I still think you you need to zoom out to make the final judgment on things. But this is how you kind of zoom in and look and look at each tree if uh, you're talking about the forest and the trees. Um, and so, what what is really funny about this is it's actually very hard to do this. It's a simple idea, but it's very hard with cherish beliefs for with beliefs we care about um humans tend to group things together and gloop is of course a technical term 
Uh, but we tend to, we've, we want to put things in buckets. And so as new data comes in, we put it, which bucket does this go into? And even if it doesn't really fit, we just throw it in a bucket. Um, and we, we t things get really glooped together. I, I use that word because it feels, it really does feel sticky and people are resistant to separating it out for various reasons. Um, and just to give a, an example, and one of the things that helped me recognize this was going on is in close relationships. Uh, a lot of times you'll have someone, uh, particularly like family members, where um, let's say you have like a recurring sort of argument with uh, a family member or a close friend or something. And it's not even necessarily that the argument is about the same thing, but it has the same feeling as past arguments. Like certain parts of your personality are rubbing up against certain parts of their personality, and this happens uh, ever so often. Um, and I noticed when this happened with myself that if I started to feel like maybe I was wrong in this instance, I had this fear that if I let myself think I was wrong in this instance, that I was wrong about all the previous instances, which on one level is ridiculous. Like, what does this argument have to do with all those other arguments? Now, there there is a relation. So yeah, it's possible. They're, they're not completely unrelated, but it's compl also completely possible that this particular uh, um, little argument we're in um, yeah, I, I'm basically wrong, but the last one, it's totally possible I was right. But something in us, we tend to put these in buckets, and part of it is probably a um, overactive area of kind of the intuition I talked about in episode five of epistemology. Even though that, that intuition is very helpful, uh, it can probably be overactive in grouping things together. Um, and so we have this feeling like, oh, if I'm wrong about this, but what does this mean about all of our past arguments and the future and what are they? And of course, there's all this practical concern of if I admit I'm wrong, then does that give them, it feels like it gives them some power, you know? So there's also uh, looking at consequences, but not just looking at consequences. Um, I'm really just talking about our own evaluation of uh, this particular instance. It tends to get uh, stuck in with all these other instances. Um, as well. And um, I, another example of this, we can really uh, see viscerally is walking into like a Super Bowl party when you're not rooting for either team or, well, yeah, that's probably the best example is when uh, you're not really rooting for either team and the ref like calls a foul or whatever. Um, and uh, the entire group of people that that call was against it's like what like bullshit. you know they're just like so upset and you're kind of like i kind of think the ref was right there like you and of course many of those people know what they're doing but a lot of those people i don't think they do know what they're doing and we just um once we and oh my gosh political stuff like you see this and definitely religious stuff too i talk so much about uh religion and Christianity versus skepticism. I don't want that to always be the example, but of course it's relevant. But politics is another great example. Um, it is like pulling teeth to get the opposite political side to admit a single piece of data goes against them. It, it can feel like that. Um, and of course, even if that single piece goes against them, they might be totally right in general. Like, it's not that damning. 
Um, but we we have this tendency to we don't want to give any ground um, because what is there a slippery slope? Um, there's a lot of reasons we don't want to give that ground. Um, but I guess the important thing here is it's not just this calculated decision of I don't want to give ground, but we actually our minds tend to twist us and we have that true bias um, where we actually see the data in a twisted light because we associate it with the rest. So that's why it is so crucial to exercise this mu muscle of knowledge bracketing. Um, and so uh, a big part of it is to successfully do it is you have to care about being honest about your about the data in this small area you've you've uh, pulled apart you have to be absolutely committed to being honest and is uh, uh, value the truth as high as possible um, you have to be more committed to that than to winning your your argument or for your your viewpoint overall to win um, and I mean, in the podcast episode I recorded today, I feel like hopefully I, I exhibited this. Like, there's multiple times where, um, I mean, I think I can probably surpri surprise some skeptics how easily I will agree with them. But I really think it comes from this knowledge bracketing of just like, I just really want to try to be honest about each individual piece and call it like I see it and not let what I've figured out over here or decided over here poison that well. Um, so there's plenty of time to bring it all together in the end, but just when you're looking at individual pieces, um, it's just absolutely essential to, to not let the rest, uh, twist the way you see the single piece. Um, so it's kind of like going back to the forest and the trees. It's kind of like when you're zooming in on a tree and this tree is starting to look like an oak tree to not let the fact that there's a bunch of cedars around you make it look like a cedar tree or, or influence you how you see this tree. When you zoom out and look at the forest, maybe it's a cedar forest and that's not gonna change you know, with some random trees here and there. But don't lie to yourself when you zoom in and say, yeah, that's a cedar tree, when it's like, no, that, that one's an oak. You know, like just admit it. It's, and so part of it is just getting to this point where you value truth and honesty enough that you're willing to uh, to have these outliers, even if you can't explain them at first, even if they are a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So where am I? I'm looking at my notes. Um, so it's a muscle you do have to exercise. Um, and to give an example of deconstructing my faith, because this is where it hit me the hardest, is um uh, I remember when William Lane Craig, a, a Christian apologist, uh, a Christian philosopher, he's also an apologist, uh, but he kind of made an offhand remark in a podcast about how we don't have the original, we probably don't have the original ending of the Gospel of Mark, that the ending that we currently have is uh, not original. It doesn't really go back. It was added on later, probably by someone else. Um, and at first that like really bothered me with my current way of looking at the Bible and stuff. It was like, wait, what? Like this part is not original. And so, I mean, is it, should it even be considered part of the Bible? Like this is a very uncomfortable feeling. And so that was a, that's a really good example of like, I had to, here's this one piece of data, like Christianity as a whole, 
there's a lot going on. There's a lot to judge. But you're now I'm just talking about this one thing, the ending of Mark. Um, and yes, it has implications about like um, inerrancy and biblical inspiration, but still it's sort of just one thing. And I that was a great place to pause and say, all right, I'm not going to proceed any further. And this is a key move. I'm not going to proceed any further until I'm okay with this turning out the opposite way that I want it to. Um, so you got to get to that point where you can you can sense that and you can flex that muscle. And so I I had to uh, mull it over, um, kind of chew on it, and then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm okay if the ending of Mark um, is not original. I, I don't love it, and I have more questions, but I'm okay with that. And then you can proceed to then evaluate. So the beauty is when you learn to flex this muscle, then you can have that confidence that you are doing your best to evaluate each piece objectively. So when you give ground to the other side, to the side you don't want, you initially didn't want to believe or whatever, then when on the next piece of data, you uh, it confirms what you thought, you can feel much more confident that because you you know you're you're trying as hard as you can to be as honest about the evidence as you can at each um, point. And since it's a small slice of data, it's just uh, much easier to evaluate. It's much easier to look at. There's there's less to consider, and it's easier to feel like you're being honest about it. It's easier to be honest about it. So that, and you just have to have um, trust that the truth will win. Um, I remember this moment. I was actually talking to my mom about this recently. How when I was going through my own doubt, and I was talking to my mom about what I was considering or something, and maybe I was sort of like angsty. I think I was kind of angsty at that moment. And she said to me, look, you have to believe it's true, ultimately. Like, you can't fake your way into it. Um, and I think that that's what you have to get with this knowledge bracketing type stuff. And, it, and the knowledge bracketing gives you a way to, to practice on smaller ideas and to really just care. I wanna get this one small thing um, I want to be as honest about it and as clear thinking as uh, about it as possible. And then you can nail it and do the next one and you'll gain momentum and you'll get better and better at sensing within yourself when you're resistant to that idea going the opposite way. And I want to reiterate that that, that is the, the test. Am I okay with this going the opposite direction? And if you're not okay with it, then you can you're not ready to to truly evaluate it uh, or to move on from it, at least like you need to keep evaluating it. Um, and actually, it's also a sign that maybe you need to make it even smaller, that if you, you really feel like you can't honestly uh, give it a judgment call, then maybe slice it down even more, make it even smaller and question that. Um, and then you can move to bigger ideas. Um, uh, so, uh, and another thing is, it's helpful to separate your final judgment of even that small piece with saying, what does it look like? So like the ending of Mark, there's a difference between saying it looks like the data looks like the ending of Mark uh, is not original, that it doesn't go back to the beginning. Um, but then that doesn't mean you have to make that your final judgment uh, because your final judgment is going to be influenced by the other data. That's when you do zoom out. But um, 
so yeah, I'm probably not really saying anything new uh, by by going over that. Uh, but that what does it look like? That that is that is the the zoomed in, bracketed out notch. What does this look like? If I didn't if I didn't know any better, if I didn't import in these other ideas and other things I already know, what does it look like? Uh, and if people who listen to my miracles episode. Uh, debate. That's exactly what I kept on trying to say to the skeptic on there is, if you didn't know any better, would it look like these miracle accounts are happening? Um, so let's bracket that out and look at it. And then you can put it back together with your other ideas. And maybe, you know, you're still a skeptic. So that is uh, pretty much in a sense what knowledge bracketing is. Um, and just to give Another example that I think is helpful is for me, and I might have talked about this on my one of my episodes already, is for the probably the 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 issue in Christianity that was on my question mark list the longest was the violence in the Old Testament, the violence and brutality in the Old Testament, and it was probably close to, I mean, it was probably a decade that it was on that list, and I didn't have a good answer for it. Uh, but I think it's a good example of where I tried to bracket it out and look at it honestly and say, this is a problem, <laughs> you know, like, uh, maybe I, I felt like there was good, good enough evidence of Christianity that I didn't, I didn't need to like abandon my faith because of it. But I also wasn't going to let that issue of violence in the old Testament be squashed by other considerations. Um, it, it was real, you know? And so if I bracket that out, that's a problem. And I'm going to keep that on my list of problems. Um, and eventually I, I came to a place where, um, just in the past couple of years, I feel like I have a pretty satisfying answer to it. And that is, uh, basically an idea of progressive revelation and Greg Boyd's book, um, Crucifixion of the Warrior God, which has um, really changed my way of understanding how the Bible works. And, and I think it's a pretty convincing the thesis. Um, I actually talked a good bit about this in the podcast I recorded today on Skeptics and Seekers, so you can hear a preview of it on there. Um, but basically, the point is I bracketed that out and I kept it in its own little category and I didn't bulldoze over it because of other considerations. And I just think that's such a healthier worldview, ultimately. And, and what that um, results in, and this is really interesting, and this is something I didn't fully, I wasn't able to fully articulate until pretty recently, is it results in the way I hold my beliefs, I end up with a constellation of beliefs instead of a monolith. So with Christianity, um, and every major area in my life, uh, my life, um, I said my life, like my lady, um, but every area of my life, um, it was a monolith. So my identity was a monolith. Everyone, I think, starts with, this is the glooping together into a monolith. My, Christianity was a monolith. Uh, and so we don't want to question it because we, you can't just throw away a monolith all at once like that you would almost go uh it almost be like mind fracturing to do that so that's why knowledge bracketing is so helpful so after doing the knowledge bracketing even though after separating each piece out i did put it into a hole like i'm not a fractured human being totally maybe a little bit um but the final product is now i have a constellation of beliefs rather than a monolith and so um 
I realized this when questioning, like sometimes skeptics will ask questions like this, and I understand why it's a fun thought experiment, but like what what would make you abandon your faith or something like that? And I realized that it's that's actually become a harder problem for me because that assumes a monolith to some that my faith is a monolith. But let's say um, Jesus was proved to be a charlatan somehow, then. Um, the reason why that doesn't do away with my entire belief system, my entire belief system, is because um, I think the data for miracles and supernatural activity is uh, compelling enough that it is primary data for me at this point. It is primary data about the universe. So even if Christianity is not true, I'm going to still uh, feel like there are some forces out there. Uh, to me, the data is that compelling. So those are two stars in my constellation, like ideas about Jesus and these supernatural forces. Now, I think they are related, don't get me wrong, but if one of them got thrown out, that doesn't do anything to the data I have about the supernatural stuff because ultimately I, I separated them out to look at them individually. Um, same with the historical existence of Jesus. Um, that is independent of him being like a charlatan. Um, I think the historical existence is extremely well established. Any um, historian at a you know professional uh, gathering of historians would pretty much agree that Jesus existed. Um, so you end up with this, con and same with like my identity, um, the different ways I see myself in my politics, it's like I, I have much more of this constellation. It's much more, much less fragile uh, because it's not all glooped together. Where if you challenge one part of it, um, the rest of it gets really angry too. You know, it's like no, you sure challenge that one part. Like I have independent reasons for believing these other parts, and yeah, I try to gather them all together into a whole. Um, I want to have a holistic worldview, but. Um, I've already done that work of separating them out, and so it doesn't bother me to question uh, one of them in a conversation. So, yeah, uh, so to sum it up, um, how do you question your faith all at once? And the answer is you don't, um, because you kind of can't. Um, now, once again, after doing this knowledge bracketing, it's at plenty of checkpoints, and in the final analysis, of course, you're going to zoom out and see where you're at. Um, and the same goes with your identity and politics and relationships. Um, of course, and once again, I do think that's the best way to make these larger scale judgments is at the forest level. But the way you question it for especially cherished beliefs is um, you do need to go in with a scalpel. Um, to because otherwise our beliefs are too um, stuck together and it's also just too complex like what does it even mean to question your whole faith all at once or your whole political opinion all you know like it can it, that's a hard question to even uh, analyze what you're asking um, so it's just necessary to to do these uh, this bracketing um, it really becomes like a philosophical thought experiment called the ship of Theseus and basically, as you do this knowledge bracketing, if you change out your belief about that one piece, you're like changing a single board in a ship. You're replacing it. And so over time, who knows? You might end up with essentially a new ship because you change so many boards. Um, or maybe you only change a few boards. 
And so it's mostly the same, same ship. Like you can call it the same ship, but yeah, you made some adjustments. Um, uh, and the ship of Theseus thought experiment is this question of like, when does it become a new ship? Um, it's just a famous um, puzzle um, kind of uh, paradox. So that is how I would suggest questioning any cherished belief is take the ship of Theseus approach. Take that one step at a time and guess what? There is a danger of a slippery slope without a doubt, but that's where you once again have to have faith in the truth that um, it's worth it to even adjust if you're, you know, you're bracketing out 2% of your worldview and you're having and after you bracket it and you evaluate it, that 2% is much closer to reality. That's an improvement. That's an improvement. You know, like you have to have faith that that's a good thing for you and the world to have that improvement. Um, so, hey, this is an election year. Uh, I would encourage everyone to do that with politics. Like if the other side is right about one little piece of data, I think it makes the world a better place to admit that because um, I think you actually might, you'll, I, I would hope Maybe I'm being idealistic, but I would hope it would actually make your position more attractive in the long run because people will realize, oh, wait, that person's being really objective. They're being honest. So if they're being honest and giving credit to the other side on that one little piece, then uh, the rest of their strongly held beliefs, uh, that's more compelling to me now. It, it seems like they're holding that in a more um, objective way. Um, I think that about sums it up. Um, I'm going to leave it there. So practice some knowledge bracketing. Let me know if uh, this helps you at all. If there's something, um, and yeah, just to give kind of some practical advice again, let's say there's just something in your life that the way I identified it is um, with that pit in your stomach, that, that knot in your stomach of like, ooh, when I think about that topic, I, I start to have a stranglehold. And um, I, I don't want to question or whatever. Like when you identify something like that, start to um, think about different ways you can maybe slice off a little element to question by itself. And, uh, and it be small enough that you're like, okay, I'm all right if I give that away. If that ends up being wrong, the opposite of what I thought it would be. Um, and see if you can find that and see if you can successfully do that to bracket it out and evaluate it and put it back in and see how that feels. And I promise you, if you start doing that, it becomes this muscle that gets stronger and then it gets exciting because it's like, wait, I can get rid of all those knots in my stomach and I can get to a point where I'm not afraid of questioning literally anything. Like I think I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to speak too boldly, but that knot in my stomach I want to say effectively never happens anymore. That there's just almost nothing that makes me feel that way um, anymore because I've I've just already gone through that. You know, um, I've already separated it out and made the best judgment I can. That doesn't mean I'm right, and uh, but it means I've since I've already separated it out, I can separate it out again if I need to reevaluate. I know how to do it, um, and I'm more comfortable with it. So, hope that helps. And as always, leave me comments and um, I will see you guys later.